Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the takecast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the takecast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Hello, listeners of the Tatecast. My name is Davis Maddock, and of course, this is another episode of the Tatecast. Um, this episode was done with Rick Gaiman from DFS On Demand. You can find him on Twitter at DFS On Demand. Rick did something I really appreciate. He reached out to me, said he would love to do an episode, said he was interested in it, even typed up a little agenda. So I said, absolutely, let's figure out a time that works, and uh, and we did it. And I think this is a really you know, I just think this is a good free-flowing conversation about the lives that we live as content creators, as people who are really into DFS. I think this will be a really relatable episode to a lot of you who play daily fantasy sports. You know, you're not necessarily a pro. You're just trying to figure out, uh, you know, what to do in this space. If you're a content creator, you'll probably really like this episode. I think there's a lot here For everyone, of course, if you like the show, if you want to support us, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's always helpful. Or, as we talk about on this show, you can uh, definitely support the show on Patreon. You can donate at the $1 level, you know, just to... Just to let me know you're here, just to let us at the Tatecast know you support the effort, and then if you subscribe at the $5 level, you get uh, access to bonus podcasts, you get one bonus podcast uh, a week at minimum, but you also get all of the showdown episodes that we do where I break down the uh, the showdown slates on DraftKings for Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, and, uh, and Thursday Night Football, and I uh, hope you guys really enjoy this episode, and after this ad, we will get right into it. Daily Roto is a mostly proud sponsor of the TakeCast, a mostly sports podcast. TakeCast listeners can save 10% at Daily Roto with the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S. If you are playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you improve your daily fantasy results this fall and save time in the process with lineup optimizers, ownership projections, fantasy projections, premium content, and much more. They have all the good stuff that you want to help 
you make money at sports betting and daily fantasy. Their new lineup optimizer will let you build optimal GPP teams with stacks based on their projections faster than I can punt money off betting on Peter Uline. Sure, you can play the guys that I recommend each week, but shouldn't you also get advice from a proven daily fantasy winner like Drew Dinkmeyer? Yes, I do have better hair than Drew, but I also have his cell phone number, and that makes me a winner almost as much as it makes him a winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. And it's not just fantasy. They have tools to bet on player props, golf matchups, and a customizable NFL game simulator for this fall. Save 10% with promo code Janus today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the TakeCast. I am joined by Rick Gaiman uh, at DFS On Demand. And Rick actually just, he made my life easy. I, I went to go check my email. I have an email from Rick proposing not only that he come on the show, but with several things outlined to, uh, to put on the agenda. Rick, my man, it's, it's beautiful. When I said that on the show, that it makes it easier for me when people to ask to be on, could not be more of a truthful statement. Just beautiful for me. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I heard that plea, Davis. I heard it. And I said, you know what? I, I can hop on. We can chat a little bit, whether it's about fantasy or life. I really don't care. But um, obviously, want to get into a position where I, can, where I can chat with some cool people. So if you're listening to this and you have a good Twitter account or you have something you want to promote, email me. I have, a, I have a guy who wrote a book about the English Premier League who works for the Wall Street Journal. He sent me an email like two weeks ago, sent me an advanced copy of his book, going to come on the show to promote the book. If you were writing a book and want to promote it, anything like that, uh, definitely send me an email because chances are uh, I would love to have you on the show. But Rick, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on for sure, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, which is uh, content creation, but I want you to kind of tell the people what you're about, about your, uh, your content and how you ended up here in this space. Yep, sure. So um, started DFS On Demand uh, probably about three years ago uh, at this point, and really it was just for me. Um, I, I was doing spreadsheets, I was doing research, I was doing all that stuff, and I, and I wanted somewhere to kind of house it all. So I, I created a website, kind of threw a little WordPress together and, and said, okay, this is, this is my site where I can just go and have access to it anywhere. Um, then I started kind of giving it to, you know, family and friends, like, hey, if you want to check out some, some graphs I made or some, some spreadsheets that I've made, check this out. And like, they kind of loved it. And I was like, damn, like, I didn't really, like, I wasn't really expecting to kind of do like a business or anything or like grind over this every day. Um, but as I kind of started making some, some YouTube tutorials and whatnot, uh, what I kind of found Davis and you might, I mean, you might feel the same way, like at least a couple of years ago. And even so now this industry was like pretty secretive, right? Like nobody was like giving anything away. There was like, you know, a lot of an influx of beginners coming in, asking a lot of great questions and kind of getting stonewalled. Um, so my, my journey or, or my, my mission is to really just try to make that research process a little bit easier, um, answer simple questions, um, you know, give some tools that you can kind of work with and make your own decisions. So that's kind of how I started. And now, yeah, I update the tools every day and it's a lot of fun. So uh, I think kind of what you're talking about is something we addressed on the show with Smiz, which is the pre and post lineup builder era. And it, it is absolutely true. And I never thought about it until Al mentioned it that way. But the pre lineup builder era was just a much different time in DFS. There were no videos out there where pros were giving away, you know, their ownership percentages and how they generated their player pool. Like it was all done 
behind a black wall. The only thing really out there was picks and you could get the projections, but you would not get a sense of how to really use those projections. And so I, I do think that DFS today, if I had been in a coma for the last three years and woke up today and saw how everything was, it, it's, a, it's a whole different game. And so from your perspective, do you play more tournaments then than cash games? Yeah, almost exclusively tournaments. Um, this is something we've, I've talked about with a lot of guys and you know, this is, this is not my full-time job, right? Like I'm not going to grind, um, 50, 50s or heads up yeah. and, and try to try to turn like a 10% ROI or whatever. Like, like I'm literally just trying to hit it big. And like, I, I understand the volatility and I can embrace the volatility that comes into that. Like, that's cool. So for me, it's, ex- it's exclusively GPPs. I think that, um, my skill set. Uh, while limited, uh, I think my skill set is better suited towards whether it's trying to find values or whether it's trying to uh, construct higher upside lineups. Which for me, that's kind of the way that my brain works. I don't, I don't really think in in terms of a floor or hey, what's really safe or all that stuff. So, so for me, it's it's kind of natural to play GPPs, and and um, obviously, I think that's great because they've got the the sexy prize pools at the top. Yeah. And I mean, so at this point in my life, DFS is like my day to day job in terms of like providing content and doing consulting work and everything. But the actual income from daily fantasy, like I don't need that to live on. Like I have, I have enough other things going on that I don't have to live on that money. But I, just because when I started playing DFS, like at this point, like six years ago, it was just all cash games all the time. Well, for like, for you, you're, you're, yeah, you're constantly grinding content. Like, do you have time to play lineups? Like, I, I find it hard to actually sit down and create a bunch of lineups because I'm doing the research, because I'm updating things, because I'm kind of in this other world that's, you know, ancillary, that's right next to playing large volumes. And I find it difficult to play large volumes. Are you running into that at all? I'm, I'm a grinder. So, like, I play, <laughs> I play like, every slate. Like, if, yeah. I, if I have done content for a slate, there's, like a 100% chance that I have lineups for it. Like I do these showdown podcasts on the Patreon feed here. I do love those. And yeah. so like, I'm, I'm grind Like I'm grinding those showdown slates. Like every, everyone, every NFL showdown slate, every soccer showdown slate. I'm playing like some of the golf showdown slates. Like just because I like, I mean, I just think playing DFS is so fun. And it's, it's also so hard for me to watch or interact with sports now without something on the line. Like, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest on this and on this podcast. I did not watch a pitch of the World Series. I just I just didn't interact with it at all. I just didn't care because I didn't have a financial reasoning to. And MLB Showdown is hard. Like it's it's a more difficult and more variant game. Yeah. Now, do you do you come at all from like the the poker world? Like, were you playing online poker when it, when all that was going on? I did, but I was you know I'm only 26. So yeah. during the poker boom, I was like 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Um, I think I think Black Friday happened when I was a freshman in college, yeah. and and you know so I had some money on full tilt and on stars, but not like a ton. So definitely I I come from poker in the sense that I was there during the poker boom. I played online. I played in a home game, but I just I was a I was a kid. Like I was a broke yeah. kid. I I never played for significant money. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, um, I'm 30, I just turned 30. So I'm a couple of years ahead of you there. And, and so you we were, were very in college much, during the poker room. Yeah. We were, and that was like the freaking thing, the right? Thing, yeah. It was like, and, and while I was never doing it at all seriously, um, I mean, my, my buddies, I still have buddies who, who play professionally. Like they they moved to Canada on black Friday they're like, we're playing. Um, but like it, when you compare the poker world to the DFS world, like the, the comparisons are, are all over the place. But what I love about it is 
Like you literally set a lineup and then like you never have to think about it again, right? Or if you're right. going to late swap, swap, you're going to late swap. But like to sit down and play for hours of poker and make thousands of decisions um, is even more of a grind, right? And, and, and that's why there's, you know, the best poker players are probably, um, they're definitely doing better, I feel like, because the, the more decisions you're making are more advantageous to you if you're like a plus EV player, right? Um, in DFS, you can make plus EV decisions. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of luck and a lot of randomness after that. But the fact that you can just kind of make those decisions, set a lineup, forget about it for a few hours and just sweat it is, it's perfect. Well, the, I mean, the, the biggest differentiator between DFS pros and poker pros is that there is a time cost to playing lower stakes, whereas there's no time cost to playing lower stakes. So like someone with a, like, you know, $27,000 on their DraftKings account can just click plus one on every $5 game. And that's the only, like, that's the only time commitment it takes. Like registering for games takes them five minutes. Whereas if, you know, if, if Phil Ivy wanted to sit down and play one, two, that like he would just be like losing money so yeah, fast because he's wasting yeah. his time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really good point. I think there's a ton of parallels. I think this is a uh, much, much better suited for the general public, which is why I think it, it kind of has a, a longer shelf life. I mean, there was, there was online poker, you know, obviously like when round, like there was, there's, there's been these booms. Um, to me, DFS feels more sustainable because it's not as much of a grind. It's easy to throw in a couple of lineups and, and see well, what happens. DFS so. is sustainable now because the whole focus of the industry is on tournaments. Like yeah. listen to any live show on Roto-Grinders. I'm sure your content is really centered around ownership percentages in tournaments. All the content now is really for tournaments. Like our, our sponsors here, Daily Roto, you know, they do they used to be almost primarily um, uh, like cash game stuff. Like five years ago, you'd go read Dink and Mike's like NBA breakdowns. It's all cash games. And now everyone's content is centered around like, this guy's a good tournament option for this reason. This guy provides you leverage. Whereas, and that's been a hard adjustment for me because in all of my content, really prior to this year, all of my content was centered around cash games, kind of in every sport. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's, it's the sexy prizes. My only concern, um, while my only concern about the sustainability of it is, is the way the prize pools are broken down. Like when you have a million dollars up top and then second prize is a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, and you're just basically every week taking that money out of the ecosystem concerns me. Like I, I'd like, I'd like flatter payouts, even though it might come at the uh, cost of these really, really sexy top prizes. But that's really my only concern about sustainability. Um, outside of that, I think it's in a pretty good spot. And I, I have, have always been of the long-term opinion that the sports betting stuff is going to be good for our industry. I do think more people will like be interested in purchasing and engaging with sports betting content, especially if some people from our world prove to be good at it. But I do think like overall long-term future of being in this space and creating content for predicting sports is like this, it's a good space to be in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, especially if you're going to be able to make bets and play DFS lineups out of the same account, right? Like, okay, I just won some three-team parlay or whatever stupid bet I put in. I've got some money to burn on this Monday night game or whatever. Let's throw a couple of lineups in. I think I think that's benefiting. That benefits everyone. You know um, so how yeah. like the DK or FanDuel sports books work? Like, is that how is are those joint account balances oh, for people in those states? Great question. I I always assume so. I mean, we have to probably ask somebody from Jersey, but I assumed they were in the same account and they just had access to uh things on the website or in the app that that i don't in california 
I mean, we have this, the DK sports betting file or whatever, where it's like they put the money in your account. So I do think the accounts are probably linked. And if that's something that really happens over like the next four years, that's like, I really want to position myself to do the sports betting content because I think, I think that is like the next boom, right? Because like, if you look at the history of sports betting stuff, like all these like dusty touts, like everyone on TV doing picks, like it's all none of it's very intelligent analysis and and like ga- like gambling Twitter, like some of the worst people in the world. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there are, uh, I, I agree with you. I think, I think this is going to translate really well. Um, there are some, some, like I like to create tools, right? Like I don't like to be like, play this player. Play this guy. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I like to say, here's the research or whatever, like go make your own decisions, right? Like go make your own lineups. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about sports betting too, just because especially at the beginning, it is very much like you said, these old dusty guys who hop on, you know, an hour before the game start on, you know, channel two or whatever and, and throw out their picks. Like I, I love the idea of building tools around this and, and they do exist, right? Like you can go on and get, I think it's uh, sports insights where you can like back test a lot of different trends and you can see this stuff, but it's like super expensive. Um, I, ha- I have sports insights and let me tell you, thing is just confusing as all hell. Like I, like I have access to it. I use it. I was actually using it yesterday to check the, um, the wind advisory that came up in that Tampa Bay Cincinnati game. I was like, why I want to know, I want to know like, what are people like, what are sharp people with a lot of money doing with that? And what I, this is neither here nor there, but I guess what I, I learned something about sports betting that the book already had so much money on the over because it was such a like there had been so much money on the over all week that by like, they wouldn't have gained anything by lowering the line really they wouldn't have got they they already wanted the under so there wasn't any value for the right. books for moving it down so I learned yeah. something they're they're always protecting themselves but yeah I, I imagine that type of tool or those tools are going to become more accessible a little bit cheaper as more people are playing the game it's just you know uh, I mean it's 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 supply and demand, it's competition. So I think that's a, a really good opportunity. And, and I agree. I think what you're going to see is, and I'm probably headed there eventually some ways, like these sites that do tools, there's going to be two sides of them. It's going to be DFS and it's going to be sports betting. And you can have two different subscriptions or one subscription to get you access to both of them. I'm, I'm sure it's happening. Yeah. So, you know, sort of on this topic, I think the role that people like you and I play, like content creators, I think the further we get in this world of you know, sports content. I think the more niche you get, the actual like kind of better your content gets and the the more marketable you are. Like I, I was I was reading this article Levitan and Bale shared it the other day about having like one thousand true fans and that being like a sustainable business model. And I, I actually really buy into that idea that just having really good content in one specific area, that's something I'm kind of trying to do right now is not appeal to a mass audience, but just like a very specific subset of people. Yeah, I agree with this a lot. Now, before I jump into that, so so what would your ideal niche and your ideal subset of people look like for you? So my ideal subset, I think, is people who are really similar to me, who they just kind of enjoy being online. They enjoy wagering on outcomes of things, not even necessarily sports, but like not not super, super serious grinders who are like trying to exploit every single edge that exists, but like, oh, I'll buy some Bitcoin because I think that it has a good chance of going up. Oh, these showdown slates, people are making mistakes, so I'm going to grind showdown slates. Like, like just people who, I, I, it's, it's sort of hard for me to define, but I guess the answer would just be people who are kind of like me. Yeah, and, and it's, it's people who, who 
think there's an edge or think they can take advantage of an edge, which is kind of a similar boat that I've seen myself in. Um, but I, I tend to agree. Like my, my big thing is like, I don't, if you try to please everyone, you basically please no one. Like I hate the, the kind of big mass market type production. I would prefer to have, like you mentioned that like thousand rap, fans um but the problem is for guys like you and i like we have to keep the lights on right like i right (laughs) like i i would love to just spend and i think there's so much untapped stuff i think it's such a a place to grow is is i would love to focus entirely on golf um but that doesn't keep the lights on right it's 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 fantasy football it's fantasy basketball it's the people who want to play baseball all you know in the summer when nothing else is going on like that's what keeps the lights on so so for me it's like you have to kind of get to a breaking point where um, you know, you're kind of big enough to be able to focus on one thing, but then aren't, aren't we concerned that if we start focusing on one thing that how that, like, it's scary, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. definitely scary. Um, so I, I think long-term that would be awesome. I just don't know how long it takes or how to actually get there. Well, I've seen that kind of happen to myself where for kind of the last year and a half or so, I was able to sustain myself just doing soccer and football just because those were, those were good markets for me. And I had, like, I do work outside of sports as well. But now that I'm like transitioning back into fantasy more full time, I'm having to like go really hard on relearning the ins and outs of the NBA because like, that's the, that's the content that's in season right now. And it's, it's hard to do football and get, and keep the lights on 365 days a year. So even now, even though I'm trying to develop this niche audience, like it's not, it's not quite niche enough, basically. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I, I know for me, one of the biggest challenges is, and you probably see the same exact thing is, is we create content that expires like 12 hours later. Like it, it's literally useless tomorrow, um, which is a challenge that I'm constantly running into, which is while I hate creating content uh, because it's going to expire so quickly. Like I know that's, that gets again, kind of like the clicks, the, the looks that kind of gets you out there. But does it just like absolutely eat you up inside like it does to me that this, whatever you wrote today, um, like it, no one's ever gonna look at it again in 12 hours? Yeah, it's very, it's very hard. And that's kind of why I like football content actually is because at least it has a shelf life of like four or five days. Right. But, uh, but like I used to, like going back to grinding, like I, when I worked for Fantasy Insiders when they were a DFS site like five years ago and I was full time there, you know, we were writing these. 10,000 word articles, 8,000 word articles that literally would be done and useless in like eight hours. Like you, you get it done at noon, the slate locks at six and it's over. Like it, it, it's kind of soul crushing. It's brutal. And, and you know, we're not asking for like a pity party. Right. But I don't, I don't know if anybody really understands like the, like, I don't know how long it takes you to put all your content together and how, but like, it takes me like a long time. And, and like, I'm trying to do the best, you know, the best type of content that I can put out and to see it gone, you know, in 12 hours or yeah, at best four days, soul crushing is a pretty good word. Um, it's kind of why I've, I've tried to renew me getting back into like tutorials, right? Like that was kind of the thing that kind of got me started on YouTube is I like created a tutorial on how to make like NBA projections. And it was like MLB projections. And like that stuff has a much longer shelf life. I'd love to kind of get into the niche of whether it's courses or just something like much more long form that can live for a while and um, can kind of deep dive into some of these topics that I don't really ever get to dive into on a, on a daily basis. I feel like that's kind of where I'm going. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right for the industry. I mean, like where, where are you headed? Is it just grind? Is it grind, um, you know, previews every single day until your fingers fall off? Like, I, like where are you going? I mean, it's a very, it's a very open-ended question. 
Um, ideally, where I would like to go is kind of to a more sustainable ecosystem or to more interaction-based content. So whether that be like, you know, hanging out in a Discord all day and talking like wild lineups come out and wild decisions are being made or, you know, like video content even. Because like video content is still a grind to produce, but it's not, it's not like writing. Writing articles like really is, it's like, it's, it's, it's just kind of like mind numbing work. Like you have to figure out the formula of like, okay, got to get to five sentences here, got to drop two stats here. And like yeah. my skill set is better suited to audiovisual content anyways. I'm better at talking and at interacting with people really than, and not that I'm a bad writer, that my content doesn't have value, but I, I just enjoy audiovisual content way more. I, okay. So I have two things you might, you might like here. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm very much in the, in the video space. Um, I really just take those videos and I post them as podcasts. So I guess I'm in the audio space as well, but, but primarily it's, it's the video content where I'm sharing my screen and we're, and we're looking over all these, all these tools. Um, I think guys like, like Mayo fit a really good niche of like that long form video content, very focused on DFS where like you might, you might turn on an hour before the game start on ESPN or NFL, like they have like a fantasy show, but that's not nearly, you know, the, that's like to the mass market consumer. That's, that's not really that, that niche that I, yeah. that I would prefer. So I think, I think Mayo fits a, a really good, a really good spot there. I imagine more people are going to try to pop that up. But um, as like you mentioned, okay, I have to put two stats there when I'm writing this down. Like, like I would love, and I, and I think this is where we're kind of headed is essentially automated, automated content created creation, right? So, I mean, real journalism is already going that way. The AP, the AP has robots. Yeah. And, um, uh, Mark Cuban had invested in some company that does basically, they take like high school or like, you know, low college sports box scores. And basically from the box score information, write these, you know, what 500, 600 word articles, which is really kind of what we could probably, probably get into, right? We, every day we're looking, okay, here are the matchups. Um, here's, here's what they've done in the last couple games. Here's yeah. some stats about the defense and be able to say, okay, this program searches all of that, parses all of it and says, all right, well, Russell Westbrook benefits from playing the Lakers who are the second worst defense against point guards. And he's coming off a bad game. Like, like that could all be done by robots, which I feel like is probably where we're headed as well. I mean, certainly the idea that like written content can be done by like a script Certainly, I think that's like in the range of outcomes, but I actually have found that people engage, like people engage much more with audiovisual content. Like I've been doing fantasy articles for like seven years and I get by far the most comments and interactions on Twitter from the Swolecast and from this podcast. It, people just get a sense of like personality and of like getting to know. And I'm, I'm that same way too with like the podcasts I listen to. Like I read fantasy content when I'm playing a slate. Like I will, I will read your NBA write-up on Daily Roto or I will read like all of that stuff. I take in content from other people, but I don't really care about the people who are producing that content. I just want the picks or I just want the stats. Whereas when I'm listening to a podcast, that's more of like an interactive experience for me. Yeah. Cause you're the brand, right? And, and I think that's, that's kind of where you succeed to get those like thousand like rabid fans is like, they're following you. Like you could go to like, it could be the take cast or it could be anything. You could start up a new site. Like people are following you because they like the content that you are putting out, which I agree that robots cannot uh, use your voice. They, they can't replicate you. They can just kind of give you like, like the nitty gritty of, of the details and the data that you need to know. But the, the actual 
hey, I buy into this guy. And, and I mean, I, like there's guys I listen to who I'm like, you might not even be like the sharpest dude, but like, I, I like what you're bringing here. Like, I like, you know, that's, some of the- That's pieces. Mayo's whole brand. Mayo never, ne- Mayo never claims to be the sharpest golf dude ever, but he's just like, hey, this is going to be a fun show. I'm going to bring on people who have right. good takes and it's just going to be a fun time. Yeah, right. And, and, he, and he like owns it, right? Like, I don't need, like, if it would be so, more, so much more disingenuous if Pat went on there and was like, I'm, I'm the best. Like, here's the value I'm playing. You should tell me like, it's disingenuous. He's just like, nah, like if I hit like once a year, like that'll be cool. Otherwise my picks suck, but here I've got some really good, um, stats, take it for what it's worth, which I think is, is kind of the way to go. Um, that's, that's what I buy into too. Like I find myself following those guys more than I follow, um, you know, just, just whatever, like, Hey, let me, let me grind out this, this win rate. Right. Exactly. And I, and I mean, I, I, I think people appreciate the honesty there are like a lot of people on Twitter who do like the screenshots and you know, they, they talk a lot about when they're winning and everything. And I mean, there are certain people who really like that, but I I guess this again goes back to our niche conversation is like, I don't like that. That is, that is behavior that is off putting to me. I don't think it's particularly cool or whatever. It is like a good marketing tool, I guess. But, uh, so like, I think people that, are more interested in my content. They they don't they don't re- they don't need me to be like, oh dude, I just had this smash slate. Like they, like the podcast I do on RG, the Gilcast with Sammy and Nate. Like people like that show way better when we're talking about how we lost and why we lost. Like right. people like because that's a relatable experience to people who are taking in this content. They want to know that the people whose content they listen to that they're going through the same trials and tribulations that they are. Yeah. I do. Uh, I do want to ask you about this because I, I know you. I know you launched the Patreon, which I think is. So we're we're kind of like in a in a, in a cycle here, right? Where like twenty years ago, all the news you were getting, all the journalism that was coming from like established, you know, whether it was newspapers or or television channels or networks or whatever it might be, like established media, and then everyone got access to the internet and everyone got access to social media, and then everyone became like a journalist and like, oh, I'm posting this, like I can write a blog now, like I can do all this. So so then we got down to like the worst of the worst, and now we're kind of getting back to the point where it's like, okay, like I want to. I'm willing to pay a few bucks to like get content that I know is either good or entertaining or whatever, which is kind of what the athletic is doing. So I, I think supporting, do you, do you happen to know who's funding the athletic? Uh, I, I don't know. Like God, I, I listened to the, <laughs> I listened to um, the dunked on NBA show, which is Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue and Danny LaRue. Um, well, they have a Patreon, but also Danny LaRue was like the first athletic writer he was like, he was like a number one. And it just got me thinking like, who is funding this massive, op- cause they're taking everybody. everybody. Like they, they have, they have someone in every city. They have a fantasy department. They're doing it all. And I really just want to know, first of all, I think it's a brill. I think the business model of the athletic is amazing because even though there is more content than ever, people are hungrier for content than ever. The one thing that they need to, they have to get podcasting figured out. Cause I like, I don't even know if they have one. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I mean, it's they probably came at the perfect time where they were able to leverage like, hey guys, all your newspapers are dying. Like, what what if we give you like an alternative here? Like, what if we give you something different? And and I literally, I've I've been subscribed to. So I, I like I was in Philly when this all started. So I moved to California a couple of years ago. But like I was in, I, I am still subscribed to like the Philly Athletic. Um, and I never log on and I never check it, but like I do it because I want to support those guys. Like I, I support the business idea. I support yeah. like, this is the model going forward, which is why I go on and do Patreon. Right. Because I'm like, oh, like I got to support these guys. Cause I think like 
I want to put my money where my mouth is. That do you have a Patreon for your content? I don't. So this is kind of what I'm, what I'm considering. Like, I think it's, I think it's coming, but it's one of these things where, and I know you kind of split them up, but do you run into any resistance over like, Oh, this is like, I don't get, like I have to pay for this. This used to be free or is like everything completely separate and new. So no one really has complained yet about about anything being behind the paywall because the free feed still exists. I'm not taking I'm not taking the free feed of this away. It's just that if you like this show, first of all, if you like the show and want to support it, obviously, like you can do that. I I listen to a couple podcasts that have a Patreon, and even if I didn't get anything extra, I w- I would subscribe to their feed on Patreon just because. And then additionally, it's just, you, it's just extra stuff. Like there's one podcast I listen to, it's a Simpsons podcast, nice. but it's, it's just, it's so good. And I like it so much that I was like, that was the first one I subscribed to on Patreon. So I was just like, I just want more of these episodes. And they did a really smart thing where they have ever, like they have evergreen content too. So that's different. And they have um, the whole like first season of their podcast is only available on the Patreon. So you can go and find their free feed on iTunes, listen to 20 episodes, get to the end and be like, man, I really want more of this. Go to the Patreon, lock it in. And that's like a a great idea. I I love it. And and that's kind of like, I I assume I'm headed there, but it will be with what you mentioned earlier, which is kind of like everything separate, right? It'll be, it'll be additional. It'll be like a Slack channel. It'll be like additional video. I won't ever take away. Cause I'm kind of worried about that. Um, and that was kind of the thing when I, when I first started DFS on demand, like it had a pay, it had a paywall from day one, which literally like no one visited the site for months. Like literally no one, like I should have yeah. just gave up. But, um, but I didn't want to get to a point where people were getting all of it for free. And then I flipped. And the then, on. and then, yeah. That makes sense. So like I was super nervous about that and I still am like very conscientious of, of not, I, I don't know, ruffling the feathers. Like I agree with you. Like I'd support a lot of stuff one way or another, but it's, it's, I, I like to hear that you have kind of have everything separate and it was obviously well thought out when you launched it. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't have a plan when I actually, originally this podcast was supposed to be me and Sammy and Nate, and it was supposed to be a once a week show where we would just kind of talk about like Bitcoin and DFS and just like whatever. And then it kind of took on a life of its own. So I think a, a big thing in content creation now is just going like going with what works and with what people respond to. Like when people suggest things to me in terms of like, they wanted me to start posting my super contest picks on the Patreon because I'm doing so well in that fantasy pros contest. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's a, that's a great thing for me to do. I'll post those every week. Like if you listening to the show, you want a specific guest or you want X, Y, and Z content, that is like the most helpful thing you could ever do because it, it, it takes the onus of creativity off of me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you, how much you want to pull, pull back the curtain, but when you're doing a, um, a show, a showdown slate or, or something like your super contest picks, like how long is that taking you to do? I mean, if we want to pull back the curtain, the showdown slates do not take me very long to do. I, I open up my laptop. I get my projections together. I do like, um, uh, aggregate projection from several paywall sites. And then I aggregate those projections. I upload them to lineup HQ on RG and I, test out some different captains and just kind of see what it looks like. And then I, it probably, probably is 45 minutes to do, to do like, it's really, it's not intensive, but I, I think what people like about those showdown ones is that it's, it's like sitting down and talking about the slate with your buddy and figuring it out. Like, it's not like I'm not giving away the nuts on these slates other than the Tyreek Hill captain slate. 
that <laughs> I did give away the nuts on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you're probably doing a lot of the legwork just in your normal weekly research. Like I'm playing those, I'm playing those slates anyways, so right. I'm gonna do that anyway. You should just turn on the mic and record it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I think that is there's like real value in that though. Like I don't know if every thing you do needs to be so meticulously researched because people people like to just hear your thought process as you go through it. Yeah. And I think Al, Al living in the Twitch world, I think is great too. Cause like, I mean, I've seen guys do slate breakdowns on Twitch and I'm like, Oh cool. Like, yeah, a little insight on the thought process, a little, little interaction with the chat. Like sweet. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's, it doesn't need to be as formal or as serious as um, we might think it does. Yeah. And our, that's actually another thing I was going to ask. Do you have any plans to start streaming or is that something you're interested in? Because this is like the number one thing I'm kicking around, but the, the two things going at work are, is I don't know exactly what I would be streaming. Um, and the second is that I don't want to be working 18 hours a day. I don't want to be streaming at seven o'clock at night. Like something else we've talked about on the show is like phone addiction, screen addiction, all that. And like, I'm really bad about that. And so at a certain point, I just got to shut everything down. Yeah. I mean, it, literally it's a, it's a slippery slope. Unfortunately with streaming, I, I think that, yeah, my, my biggest hurdles are what would I talk about? Um, you, you know, like I, I'm not sure where I would go if I could get into something like, and, and again, I don't want to be tied to it either. Right. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like I don't want to be tied to a, you know, hour before lock or whatever it is, or a, or a cut sweat show, which actually wouldn't be that bad, um, for golf, but like something like, I don't want to be tied to it schedule. Like I just want to like throw it on and be like, Hey, we're gonna look at some slates. We're gonna look at some data, yeah. but, but like, I, I don't know, like that, I, I, that might be hard. I think that's harder than um, what I just made it sound like where I just throw it on and look at some data. I think it's a lot harder than that. So I, I think eventually I'll get there. I, it's, it's probably fifth, sixth, seventh on the list for me. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing for me is I don't want to be tied to doing a schedule. Be like, you got to be here. You got to do this. Cause like enough other things come up in the course of my life that I, I would never stick to it. But I think it's very hard to build an audience of people who want to watch your streams. If you don't do it, like I know, I know from my stream consumption, there are like a couple like FIFA YouTubers whose streams I watch. And like, if they're not on when I'm free, I'm just, they're not getting my click. Like I'm not going, I'm not going out of my way to go find their stuff. It's just, if they happen to be on when I don't have anything to do, I'll throw it on. And that's like a, but it's, it, you can't make yourself available, you know, 20 hours a day. Yeah. I'd feel like a real dummy if I finally get all this stream stuff set up and like uh, three people watch it and I'm like, all right, well, I guess that was, I guess that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess from what I understand, streaming is really all about consistency from the, from the people who are successful at it. They all say, you just got to do it. You just got to be on, you know, five hours a day for, for months and months and people will eventually find it, which just sounds daunting. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds terrible, but I, 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 I love the space though. Um, and I loved it. And then I heard Al kind of talk about it with you and I was like, like, yeah, like this is like, I love it. It's just tough. And obviously tough is, um, you know, you can be successful at it because I mean, when you're, when you're comfortable already and when you have a good thing going, it's hard to like add something new and like maybe kind of scary. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's on the, it's on the roadmap, but don't look out for it anytime soon. So, uh, so another thing I wanted to talk to you about is golf, a couple things, fantasy golf, obviously, but do you, do you play golf? Like, are you, do you get out there? I do. So, um, I mentioned that I live in Southern California, so I luckily get to play 12 months a year, which yeah, is pretty nice slick. courses too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty slick. So, I mean, originally from Philly, so I never, I didn't always have that luxury. 
Um, but yeah, so I've, I've played a lot out here. I probably play at least once a week now. Um, Saturday or Sunday. I what's your, what's some, your handicap? Yeah. So I'm down to an eight. Um, wow. Okay. So you're way better than me. Like at my, <laughs> at my best, like when I, I had an, I had an arm surgery this yeah. last year and I'm like, it's still, it's still not fully good to go. But before that I was like my absolute best. I think I was like a 17 or a 16. Uh, so I could, I could get around. You, you I can could handle. Yeah. You can handle yourself on the course. You're not going to make a mockery of it. Like I could, I could, I'd, I'd get birdies here or there. You know, I would break a hundred most of the time I broke, I hit, I shot 80, 89 was my best ever round. Um, but like, yeah, you you were like significantly better than me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it all happened when I moved to California. Like I was probably a third, well, I was probably like a 13 back East and I played, I played college baseball. So like, I've got like the hand eye coordination thing going yeah. on, but, but also like that was, that's a different swing for me. Um, so I, 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 once I started playing literally every single week, like the, the stroke shaved off. And then, um, the biggest thing I did is I actually finally got fitted for clubs, which I don't know at what point you should do that. Like a 15, a 10, a five, like, I don't know when you should get fitted for clubs, but when I did, I was probably like an 11, I like immediately dropped like two and a half strokes. Like it was, it was such a big difference. The same thing happened with me when I got them cut down to my size, it was a lot better. And, and even just like having the confidence, right? Like being like, oh, okay. Like I know this club is like set for me. Not that like I just pulled off the rack. Well, like, knowing, knowing your yardages and everything too is yeah. huge. So, so that was a big one. And then, and then really literally just consistency playing, playing as much as I can as with anything else. Right. Um, I got, I got to a point where now I'm, yeah, I can, I can hold my own. I can, I can throw some darts out there, but I'm like, I'm like the most volatile eight you'll ever see. Like I can go super, super low and unconscious for like nine holes. And then I can just absolutely like blow it up. Right. Like if I could ever find some level of consistency, um, I guess I wouldn't be an eight, but like, I'm, I'm a very volatile. Eight. Yeah. I mean, my dad is like a five. And like, like he, like, and he hits it like a mile. Like my dad can hit it like 280 off the tee pretty much every time. But he, like he, accuracy obviously is what he struggles with. Like otherwise he would be, right. he'd be like, he'd be like a one if he could hit it that far. Yeah, my, my issue is not consistency. It's, I just don't hit the ball far enough. I have, I'm just, I'm very, like, I'm, you know, I'm short and I just, I'm not very flexible. So it's just very, it's just like very, bad things. yeah, it's, it's very hard for me to get enough leverage to get the ball to go very far. Yeah. And there's obviously such a huge difference between like being even like an eight and a five and then like a five to a three. Like those are like massive, massive yeah. changes. Like those guys are barely like, they're like not on the same, on the same planet. Yeah. Like an, like an eight to a five is like legit. It's like the difference between like a bottom of the two or Euro player and like Jordan Spieth. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's massive. And you get out and play with some of these guys who can hit it that way. And I'm just like, yeah, you guys are on a, on a different, on a different planet than I am. Yeah. Like, so, so, I like most things in my life. I found golf. I found an interest in golf through DraftKings. Right. And then I, I started golfing basically, I mean, basically because of DraftKings more or less, like I just got so into golf and I was like, yeah, I want to start golfing. So, uh, but your, your, uh, agenda that you sent to me, one of the things you said was, uh, the idea that golf is the best fantasy sport. And I, I want to, uh, I want to know more about that idea because I don't even disagree, but I want to know your take. All right. This is literally like my soap. Like I love this so much. Um, I don't even think it's particularly that close that golf is the best, you know, DFS sport. Um, so, so, okay. It has the benefits of all the other sports do. So for example, we love football, football, you get a week's worth of research or you get, you know, at least four or five days worth of research. You get golf. It's a weekly sport, but there's like 50 slates a year. 
Like you're not limited to that 17 or 20 or however many days of NFL football there's going to be. You're getting like literally outside of a handful of weeks a year, golf is a DFS sport. So that's like number one, it's weekly and you can play it throughout the entire year. That Number is two. huge. The, the huge. ability, the ability to in in like take in the content for multiple days, but yes. also have it be a weekly thing is huge. You consume the content for multiple days, and you sweat the contest for multiple days. Like you get a four day sweat, which can change drastically from you know Thursday to Friday, Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday. Like you get to see your investment not go away in three hours or not go away in eight hours over the course of an NFL slate. You literally get four days to sweat it out, and you can you know, hey, I'll I'll play some showdown slates in the middle here. So it is like like right off the bat, the structure of it is a beaut. It is. It's, it is a beautiful structure. And the showdown and the weekend golf, like it, you can uh, kind of keep going to it. Another thing that I think is really ideal about it actually is, you know, it's a very variance-filled sport. So even if you're bad at it, you can win every now and then. It is very welcoming to newcomers for a couple of reasons. Yes, the variance is great. You could be the worst. You could throw in a couple $6,800 guys who, you know, top 10, and you can have a run at a GPP. You don't need to be perfect like in the NBA, for example. But what I like is it's, it's also really um, good for newcomers because they, there's, there's all the same position, right? I don't have to worry about flexes. I don't have to worry about anyone who has multiple position eligibility. I've got six golfers. I'm putting them all in. I don't have to worry about my lineup optimizer, putting people here, if I'm doing late slate or late swap, all that stuff. But you get one matchup. Everyone plays the same course. So if you look at like a NBA slate or a major league baseball slate, you've got, um, you know, 30 teams playing, or okay, let's say in NBA, what, 16, 20 teams playing all on the road, all at home, all with different, um, different defenses they're playing against every week. Those get broken down by like points, points against versus point guards and in the pain and shooting three. Like there's so many matchups to consider and you have one day to do it. And it's, it's just so much overload that this, these guys go out, they play the same course, they're all playing the same course, the slate starts at the same time, like lock and load, you only have to focus on one thing each week. There's definitely like a real limitation of variables that I think is pretty attractive to people. Like really, at the end, and I guess I don't, I don't know exactly kind of all of the stuff that you were looking at, but really if you just looked at uh, str- like stroke average and basically like how well these guys play versus everyone else in the field, like over a long sample, you, yeah. you would probably build plus EV lineups. Yeah, I mean, you could literally probably get away with looking at two things, like recent form or long-term form, and then um, course history. Like literally, if you just started there, you'd, you'd probably be yeah, making probably plus EV lineups. And then you can get down into, okay, um, is this a bomber's course? Or do I need to putt well? Or is this, is this a second shot court? Like you can get into things like that. Um, and some courses, you know, history is more important than others, but like, but like if you literally just look at on the surface, like two factors, you can make lineups that are, uh, pretty reasonable. Yeah. I I mean, that's, uh, that's definitely true. And like a lot of the stuff that goes on, on golf content shows is kind of just to provide color and context for the decision-making. And I mean, I, I, I do, I think golf is also really ideal for content. Like, cause just because there's a lot of guys to talk about, like you can, you can do, 90 seconds on 20 different guys and like, boom, there's your show. Yeah. And you, and you, you, you avoid some of the things that really pester other sports. Like, okay, 
Um, I don't have to wait around until 15 minutes before a game starts like I do in the NBA to see if someone's going to play. Like you rarely get a withdrawal without knowing in advance. Sometimes guys get hurt and they, and they withdraw or you get like a weird DQ, but it's like fractionally the amount of times you get it in another sport where Anthony Davis goes to the locker room and doesn't come back or somebody tweaks their ankle and goes to the sideline and never comes back. So um, that's, that's awesome. And then, and then you get, like I kind of mentioned it, like the slate starts and ends at the same time. So when that first tee ball goes off, like I've got all the ownerships, like I've got, like, I don't have yeah. to wait for those games to come up. Like there's just, it just feels so much easier to be able to consume and if we're going to get like a full schedule of Tiger this year, like it's going to drive the drive, the prize pools up. People are going to play more. Yeah. This, is, this, this could be an awesome DFS golf year. I'm in. Um, so let's uh, actually, yeah, let's just go ahead and have this conversation now and then we can finish it up with, uh, with one more thing. But uh, I want to do a little bit of actionable info since this has mostly been an academic discussion. So I'm definitely behind on golf since the Ryder Cup. Just haven't been paying attention. I know uh, Cameron Champ won last week. He's like a name I'm kind of familiar with, but I normally don't engage much with the fall swing events just because there's so much other stuff going on. So give me some nuggets for the 2019 season. You know, what's coming, who's, who's on the, like, who are the web.com guys to look for? Just give me, you know, kind of five minutes of, of hashtag content. <laughs> hashtag content. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's one of these things where, um, I, I think the trend that you just mentioned, which is Cameron Champ, winning is going to uh it's not going to be uncommon this year right like you still have your dustin johnson you still have your rory mackerel like you still have all the studs but we've seen over the course of the last couple years that these young guys are ready to win like they are ready to take the next step and they are ready to compete immediately it's not like they have to cut their teeth anymore we saw xander shoffley immediately with success like this this week was the perfect microcosm of what i think the tour in 2019 is going to be where cameron champ wins and then uh, Xander Shoffley wins the WGC, which is like these two young guys who can just absolutely gear it up at any moment. Like, I think that is what's, what we're likely to see this year. So guys that come to top of mind, like um, if you look at the web.com tour and like graduates and stuff like that, Sung Jae Im is, is one of these uh, Asian guys who played, who played well over for the Asian swing. Um, looks like the absolute real deal. Like you get quotes about him that are like, oh no, like, like this, this kid's got a swing that's, that's going to last forever, right? right. Um, Sam Burns, if you remember, he, he like went toe to toe with Tiger. Uh, I forget what tournament it was, but he like outplayed him on a Saturday in like the biggest round of his life. Like his sixth start on the PGA tour, he like goes toe to toe with Tiger on a weekend. Like I'm, I'm still pretty high on guys like um, Curtis Luck, who is the number one amateur in the world at one point. So, I mean, there's just so many, and I think this kind of goes back to how well prepared these guys are. And they've been looking at launch monitors since the time they were two years old. Like they've lived in a world of technology where they are absolutely ready to rock and roll. The, like the moment they step on the tour. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and then I imagine you're going to get like, a, like we're going to have like seven different num number one players this year. Like there's literally four guys who are going to rotate in out of the number one spot. Like Kepka Rose, DJ, and Justin Thomas are, are, are literally within points of each other. And, and every week someone's going to be a new number one. And I, and I think that's okay. Um, I think we might be past the point where the, the dynasty of Tiger, you know, 700 weeks in a row or whatever it was. Um, it's okay. The, the game's in a really good spot. All right, I'm in. So the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, because you know, so much of this was about content creation, and I'd like to do this with other people who are in a similar line of work. What are your content consumption habits? What, what's, uh, what do you indulge in? Are you a big Netflix guy, big podcast guy? Do you play video games? Like what, uh, what is your lean? 
Yeah. So this is, so mostly it, it probably makes sense that the things that I create content for are the things that I consume the most. So um, podcasts I'm big on, whether it's DFS or um, you kind of mentioned a Simpsons podcast. Like I listened to every episode of a Seinfeld podcast where they went through every single episode and, and chatted about it. What's that um, one called? I would actually be interested in that. So it's, it's called Seincast. So it's, it's over now, but you can go back. It's, it's evergreen. So they've got, they go through every single episode and break it down, do a little trivia, do behind the scenes stuff. It's, it's actually pretty great. Um, my, now, my problem is like, do you listen to these at one and a half speed? Do you listen to podcasts like that? No, I, I can't. I can't either. It's, it's, it's too much. Like, I've people, tried it. people say they do it, but it, I, I did it once to some NBA podcast and I was like, never again, can't do it. Threw me off. The next time I listened to a podcast at regular speed, it threw me off. So I was just like, I'm not doing this. I, I won't. Yeah, it, it made, I was spending so much time going back 15 seconds to try to hear what they said that it, it was not worth it. I should have just listened to it at regular speed. Um, and then I get into obviously a lot of the, into YouTube. It's just like whether it's tutorials about anything. Um, I always like to see like, um, like computer setups. Like I'm a big like, like monitors guy. Like I want monitors everywhere. Like so I look at that stuff all the time. And then really, I, I, I bet you if you looked at my hours logged on Netflix, it would be a lot, but it is literally just the office running in the background at all times. Like that is it. Like I, I, I pay whatever, $12 a month to watch the office on Netflix. I mean, yeah, like the, it is, it's, that I mean, it's the best show. It, it's unbelievable. It is, it's perfect. And it like, it never gets old. Like there's still little things that I find. It, it is something that's on in the background all day. It's on to go to sleep at night. Like my girlfriend hates it. I, I'm like doing the quotes as they're going along. Like I've got the scripts down in my head. Like it's, I don't know. Like I literally don't watch anything else on Netflix. I, I, I should just buy the DVDs or something. I don't watch anything else. I mean, I do. I like I, same thing. Have it on while I'm going to bed. Like I, I think it's actually very common. I think people just do that with that show. Like they, you, they really do just love it. Do you get into this where like literally every night we sit down and we're like, all right, like, let's watch something. Like, what are we going to watch? Oh, like there's new making the murderer. Like this is all, uh, like, let's just, let's just put on the office. Like we're, we know we're going to watch this. Um, so my girlfriend is like cool with rewatching things she's already seen. So like re we've rewatched, like I've done like Grey's Anatomy with her, which wow. I actually loved Grey's Anatomy. Huge wow, fan. Okay. Oh yeah. Grey's Anatomy is like, it's, it's, that's the best. Like I, I say that without a hint of sarcasm or like toxic masculinity or anything. I like genuinely loved that show. It was fantastic. And so I've watched like a couple shows like that with her. And um, like I, I, in general, I'm okay with like watching like new shows. Hulu actually has like the better new shows. Okay. Yeah. So I, we, we had new Hulu for, um, what's that show? Handmaid's Tale. So we had that. So we like, we were watching that, which actually isn't, isn't bad either. But, uh, as soon as that was done, canceled it. And it's literally back to the office. We tried that. We tried to do game. Of, we watched like the first season or two of game of Thrones. And then, but that's like such like, we kind of talked about it. Like you have to pay attention. Like you have to like grind game of Thrones to remember who all the families are. And like, I need like subtitles at some points. Like I don't understand what they're saying. So it's just much easier to get back into my, uh, Hey, let's just flip on season three of the office and like see what Michael Scott's up to. Yeah. And I found though that, uh, like when I'm on my own, like my girlfriend was on vacation this last weekend, she like went somewhere with her sisters. And so I didn't watch any TV. I listened to podcasts and audiobooks, like basically, nonstop the entire weekend. Like I went to the gym, had like, I, I, I don't know if I took my headphones out all weekend. Like honestly, like the entire weekend, I just had my headphones in listening to something. 
That's awesome. So you were just, you were just inside your own head doing you for a week and now Which that's, that's just so, that's like, and I, I think about it and I'm like, man, I learned so much or I engaged so much. And I was like, I really just kind of like weirdly walled off. I guess I, I guess when I watch football on Saturday and Sunday, I didn't have, I didn't have headphones in. Do you, do you multitask though? Like, will you listen to a podcast while you're watching football? So it's tough. Um, I, I have a problem where I can't, I can't really do anything else while I listen to podcasts because I don't pay attention to it. And I'm like, I just wasted an hour and I didn't learn anything. And I'm big on like trying to get something out of it. So I, I listen to podcasts a lot when I'm in the car, when I'm driving. Um, I, I'll listen to them. Like, so I'll throw it on while um, if I, like I, I play video games a little bit. Um, so if I, it, while I'm playing that, like I'll throw it on and listen, but I, I can't usually do podcasts while I'm doing other things. It needs to be like my, my sole focus. Yeah. I, I do not do that. I got a podcast on why I walk the dog. I have a podcast on why I play video games. I, I do still, I do still play like it. I, I just play a lot of FIFA. So like pretty much anytime, anytime if I'm not working, if I'm just like hanging around and I don't have a good book I'm reading, I'm probably playing FIFA. Do you, do you think you're consuming? Like what percentage of these podcasts do you think you're like consuming or at full, like- at full consumption podcasts? Yeah. I consume 0%. <laughs> Zero, like, uh, you know, you know, actually the podcast I listen to that I pay the most attention to is, um, JJ Zacharyson's like, I, I don't actually know what, I think the feed is just called the late round podcast. He does, okay. he does like two podcasts. One is the number fire one. And it's just like, they're really actionable. They're about like 15 minutes long. And it's just like, Hey, go. drop this guy in your league, add this guy in your league. And that right. it's just very like, it's JJ's very sharp. It's, and they're always just really actionable. So that one probably honestly captures like the highest amount of my attention. Yeah, I got, I got to the point where I had so many podcasts that I, I never listened to them, but I would just like play them so I could like check it off the list, right? So then I- Oh, I, I just, I just hear, I'll show you my screen right now. Like, so I have these up yeah. and on Monday morning, like I'll just wake up and the ones I know I'm not going to get to, I'll just swipe and delete. And, I'm, yeah. and, and like, it just, it feels like less cluttered to know that they're yeah. gone. So I've consolidated recently where I'm like, all right, here's like my like five whatever podcast that I'm going to listen to. And they, they cover the gamut, right? It might be like news. It might be politics. It's sports. It's Seinfeld. It's whatever. But like, these are the ones I'm focused on. And then like, that's it. Everything else is, you know, done. Yeah. I mean, I, so my, my, my advice to people would be don't engage with content the way that I do it. Cause I don't get, <laughs> I don't get as much out of it as I wish I could like, and especially that like all the basketball shows I listen to, there's a lot of minutia in those. Yeah. And I mi- I miss out on a ton of it just by like, you know, yeah, imagine, imagine if people were consuming this podcast the way that you consume podcasts. Right? I mean, you can't, you, you can't go in and out. Like if you went in and out of this podcast, it would be like just something so totally different yeah. 10 minutes from now. Yeah, it, that's true. It's, it it kind of depends on the content. There, I I do it all the time still. Where I yeah, I flip back like that fifteen second back thing. I'm like, wait, what player are they talking about? Like, I heard the stats and I heard all that stuff, but I never heard who the guy was. You should be required. Here's if I was president, you'd be required to say the name of the player, give the insight, yes. and then wrap it up by saying, and that's why this person. Oh, that- I, I just could not agree more. You you <laughs> need to reiterate the name of the player several yeah. times. There there actually there was like a fantasy baseball podcast I used to listen to, uh, the Fangraphs one with Paul Spore and Jason Collette, and they were really good about that. They because they knew so like every like if they were going on an in depth discussion about a player about once every like kind of forty five seconds they would make right. they would be like Clayton Kershaw is having a good right. season and like like so I was just I always really appreciated that and I try and do that myself but I probably forget yeah I I that that would be required by law um, I think it's so helpful yeah. 
All right, I think that is a great way to end the show, my man. Why don't you, uh, why don't you give a, a plug to your stuff? Tell the people about the content, where they can find it, how they can engage with it. Sure. So uh, definitely in the heart of you know, NBA, PGA's gearing back up in NFL season. It's uh, DFSOnDemand.com. On Twitter, it's at DFSOnDemand. And got some cool stuff coming down on YouTube. Uh, that channel is Rick Run Good. Beautiful. It. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Thank right, you so much for, uh, for sending the email, reaching out. And uh, I hope that this gets some extra eyes on your Twitter feed, on the profile, on, uh, on the YouTube. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening.